Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to have you with us again, folks. We are running through another familiar format this evening called the Monster Mash. You know what we do? We pick uh, four different films. Doesn't fit a theme. Doesn't fit uh, directors. Doesn't fit a franchise. Anything like that? We just pick four films that we want to watch so that we can branch out a little bit to cover some films we wouldn't get to cover otherwise. So, uh, this evening, I, Grizzly Abner, chose a film called Messiah of Evil. Professor, what did you pick? I picked Dead and Buried. Alrighty. Vinny, you? I picked Mama. 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 And Todd. I picked The Changeling, not to be confused with Changeling. Clint Eastwood. The Changeling. Okay. Good, good, good. Well, let's get started. Uh, we have elected the professor to go his. So, sir, give us some dates and details of what's going on. Uh, Dead and Buried was made in 1981, directed by Gary Sherman, who did, if you know, uh, it's a little bizarre, but Raw Meat, also known as Deathline in the 70s, uh, with Donald Pleasance and Christopher Lee. He also did Poltergeist 3. Um, writing credit goes to Dan O'Bannon, which they heavily advertise as the people who brought you Alien. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> he just helped with some adjustments on the script. Um, if anything, I think that this was kind of a, just a novel that they took to the screen with, okay. and he helped make some adjustments on. Fun um, fact, Poltergeist 3, my favorite Poltergeist film. Word. Uh, fun fact, Hot Toddy and I were going to go stop by us, and we were going to stop by there on a Sunday, and then at Monday, the following Monday at work, I read a story about how <laughs> there had been people who had fallen 80 plus fours in an the elevator in there when, the weekend that we had been up there. So uh, here's to skipping things once in a while. <laughs> Live a little bit. <laughs> um, also, uh, special effects on Dead and Buried were done by none other than Stan Winston. When I saw that, I was like, okay, we're off to a good start. Yeah, and I should clarify, I picked this because this is just one of those, uh, in my opinion, uh, gems from that classic era that people don't really talk about. And I think uh, if listeners haven't seen it, some of them might be turned on to it and enjoy it. Um, It's also accompanied with a really good cast. Um, We have James Ferentino in the lead, who plays the sheriff, but we also have Melody Anderson. We have Robert England, uh, younger Robert England than we're used to uh, once he got into the Fred Krueger fame. Uh, this was his second horror movie. He'd also been in uh, Eaten Alive from Toby Hooper, which was, predates this one. Who? Um, Robert England. No. Huh? Toby? Toby. Toby Hooper. Sorbet. Son of a bitch. Um, Jack Albertson, who everyone knows from Willy Wonka, the grandpa in there. I didn't realize until almost the end of the movie. I was like, his voice sounds so familiar. And then I was like, holy shit, it's Grandpa Joe. Yep. Um, Lisa Blount. Uh, you also have Barry Corbin, who is in a ton of stuff. Michael Pataki, who is in Halloween 4 and Graduation Day. Michael Curry, who is in Halloween 3 and Werewolf. 
I mean, this is a, a pretty full-on cast without having any major massive stars. I think the main two draws were Farentino and Anderson, and they were both TV stars uh, at the time. Um, but the, the general idea um, is that we have a kind of a seaside little town, mm-hmm. and we have to um, be back up. And that's kind of the, the general crux of, of laying out what's going on in this little town. Um, <clears throat> you guys have anything to add in the way of synopsis for it? I feel like there's really not a whole lot of middle. We lead up by kind of showing you the repeat uh, offense of, of the weird thing. I feel, I feel like you're kind of lost, and then at some point it touches on, uh, like he finds a, a book on witchcraft. Yeah. And then... Uh, and why does my wife have this book on witchcraft? Why, why is she teaching the chitlins witchcraft? <laughs> um, this is like a, like a, I don't, it's a fun, bizarre movie. Like, a, to me, the opening scene, like, I, I instantly thought of The Fog. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I, I really didn't know what I... This is a movie, like, uh, I definitely have seen the... the since, since video store days, I remember seeing the box. Great the video shelf. I remember seeing the poster. It's really not a movie talked about a lot. And you know what? Until watching it, I was like... Stan Winston, like, Robert England. I'm like, that's why thing. is this movie not talked about It's got all these great intersections. Yeah. Um... So, I don't know. And that was the only reason I mentioned kind of on the general idea of the film and the plot because it improved all the previous part of the movie that I had watched. Like, I wasn't exactly gaga for it while I was watching it. But then once you get to the ending, and like once the movie's over, you're like, oh, that that made the whole thing way better. Yeah. Like, yeah. the whole movie a much better, a, a better experience Which than rare, I thought. Which is rare. Because usually the shock reveal kind of makes you go, Eh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, to me, it made it. it like it made it a much better film to me. Do you mean uh, just kind of run through it real quick? Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Do you want to do synopsis and then do initial? Well, has has, has anybody has anybody seen this movie prior? No. First time. I had watched it a couple times. This is my first time watching it. First time. This is one I'd had on that kind of recurring list where I kept picking from. It's one I, I'd been wanting to pick, and then honestly. Uh, with the pick of Messiah of Evil that you made, yeah, it just got me in the mood thinking about the little beach town. I was like, ah, let's do it. Now's the time. Who put this out? Blue Underground? Yes, and they have a brand new uh, crazy restoration happening right now really? that'll be out in 2019. They just did this fantastic release of Maniac and Fulci Zombie. Yeah. They're they're getting into these really intense restorations and like deluxe releases, and it's pretty exciting because uh maniac especially was a great release but this one promises to be too because i think they unearthed like the original negatives wow and so this is going to be a pretty spectacular release i would imagine this might get a little bit more uh, of a resurgence and attention because of that just because it's early on in this kind of new uh style of release that they're doing um but in the in our film, sheriff dan played by farentino is dealing with these ongoing murders that are happening um we've got in the opening scene, a mob of townspeople uh, attempting to kill a photographer who's met the pretty girl on the beach who pulls her shirt open and he's taking the shots of her. And as, as we go through each of, the, each of these instances where visitors are being killed as they stop in the town, uh, really the most bizarre part, besides it being a communal effort, is that they're snapping photos 
uh, yeah. why they're doing it. <laughs> and let's not lose sight here. This photographer is seduced by this woman, then photographed and burned alive by guys who look like just fishermen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that is a gripping open. Yeah, I was like, it's like, whoa. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that, that took a turn. Okay, yeah. this is what we're in for. And it's just like, what guy isn't going to want to, you know, take a picture of some boobies from a nice girl on the beach that you meet? It's like, I think I could live here. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, well, it's the Salem witch trials. Professor starts looking up uh, the address. Like, yeah. <laughs> take um, me to Potter's Bluff. I'd like I to see a, some breasts. I take a hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, we go through um, a series of murders in the town. And as more visitors are murdered, the sheriff hones in and is looks to be assisted by the local coroner slash mortician played by Jack Albertson. Uh, we know as Dobbs and they're looking to try and discover a motive for these killings. Um, it seems to be picking up. It's happening every day. And in each case, the killers are photographing the victims as they are murdered. Um, and really kind of the turning point that helps our narrative is our sheriff accidentally hits someone with his squad car. Um, and, on the grill of his car, he finds a twitching, severed arm. Um, and up from that accident victim, we have that tested. And this is somebody that's been dead for months. And he says, no, that's not possible. Not I, I hit him. Um, and so that that really raises the speculation as to, to what's going on. Because we have, um, you know, basically uh, animated corpse. Or we have a mix-up. And so we go through the testing of that, and we reach out, and and we're digging deeper into um, our mortician and realize that maybe something wrong with him. We've got him canned for uh, taking bodies. Something's funny going on over here. Uh, Tom's cleaning his glasses. I called him a nerd. (laughs) I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Baby, you just keep going. Don't you worry about what these boys are doing over here. And so... You know, surely with the mortician being played by Grandpa from Willy Wonka, he's safe. Um, And so we come basically to the climax of the film and we realize that our mortician, Dobbs, has been reanimating all of these corpses. All of these people in the town are dead. And some of that voodoo. And in a true true, uh, stroke of genius with the writers and, and filmmakers, we, uh, we don't explain why. And I think that helps the film. Yeah. We never do get to the core of what he did because he makes it clear. To, it wouldn't be, it fun. would be cheesy. It would be so, yeah, you're it, right. It, adds, not it makes anything. it so much more of an entertaining, uh, experience because we don't get down to some, uh, either convoluted lame explanation for it or something so far fetched that you fixate on that after the film's over. The simple fact that we don't know that, you know, why he or how he's been doing this, he just simply has. And so you've grown this community, this little struggling beachside community, by basically killing everyone that comes in. And if somebody comes looking for him, that's fine. They're here. Nothing wrong. See? Yeah. Everything's cool, and it, it's and it's really such a, a smart but simple concept, um, and in a lot of instances with the final reveal, which we have with the sheriff, that would spoil a movie, 
but I would tend to argue with this one, it doesn't really matter because it's just a slice of the bigger reveal, which is a little bit more creative and its own thing yeah. by, by everyone of the town being dead. Um, because we then at one point, once the sheriff has really started to uncover this and it's freaking out, he sees the video of his wife stabbing him to death. Yeah. And his fingers fall apart right as we go to credits. But we realize the whole time, Sheriff's been dead too, which then makes you understand that the people in the town, for the most part, don't have to know about it to keep existing, Yeah, which makes it even more fun because yeah. the possibilities are really kind of endless. Um, I also, you know, in terms of just general thoughts with this, I think that it, it, it really goes well with something like the fog from that era because yeah. it has very moody moments in this little beachside town. Um, I think the my my only disappointment, and this stems back to the first time I watched it, is that I really hope for more with uh, Winston involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's still plenty of cool stuff in there. But I was really hoping for a star-studded shit show from Stan Winston, sure, and sure. that's not really there. But I'm okay with it being restrained, even when we show um, the town folk and kind of the reveal and see the wounds on them. They're minimal. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that it never goes over the top um, with the gore or or trying to, to rest the film on, on easy crutches. That it, it kind of remains restrained through such a ridiculous concept that they've unveiled. Mm-hmm. And I think that that helps it long term. It's got great rewatchability because once you when you go back and know... It it's actually makes the film twice as fun when you revisit sure, it. Yeah, because you start looking for different things to pick up on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I I think it's a, I think it's a fun one, and I just don't think it's talked about enough. And I thought maybe some listeners might get turned on to it if we covered it. So, well, I know I'm turned on by you telling us. <laughs> yeah, <that>. Daddy. <laughs> Thoughts? I didn't know what to expect going into it. I I really had no clue anything about this movie. Like I say, by the end, the end totally changed how I was feeling about the movie as a whole. I liked it. I liked it. It it was not, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't your typical fare. You know what I mean? It it went a different direction than a lot of things from its era, I think. Um, I, I liked it. I would recommend it to people to watch. Again, it's one that you don't really hear about. It's not, certainly not, uh, like a cult classic that you hear about all the time, but it's totally worth looking at, especially for genre fans, totally worth looking at. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I actually would say that I'd probably end up picking this up and rewatching it again. Um, and I agree. I started the movie. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and I didn't hate it as it started, but I was just, you really didn't know where it was going until, until it pretty much tells you what's happening. Um, and I agree, like the ending, it just added to everything that I was confused about at the beginning and made the whole movie. So I, I really enjoyed it. I agree. I too will echo the sentiment that I really enjoyed this film. Uh, again, didn't see it coming. Didn't expect the turn it was going to take. And just like you said, like it starts hot, kind of starts to mellow out. And then finishes strong. Yeah. And 
I really enjoyed it because I was like, Ugh, is this going to be another one? Like those Italian movies they make me watch. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh no, there's an explanation and it's a coherent story. It's coherent. Like, yeah, right. So, uh, no, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, I'm glad we watched it. Podcast success. Hey, yo. So, fun notes. What fun notes does do folks have? Um, I have huge struggles with eye violence in film. Yes. Uh, zombie. It's another one. Yeah. yeah and lots of Italian movies. This was no exception. When that needle goes in the eye each time, son, my nuts go up my stomach. I don't I'm like, that, but I don't like burning to death. Like, yeah. That's one that bothers me. Yeah. Um, the okay. bird in the basement. I've seen, I think three times now. And I, I, every time that scares the shit out of me. He's walking around down there. I mean, jump scares the usually. Bird in the basement. I've seen three times. I was like, "Oh, is that another Italian film?" Bird in the basement. Bird in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> three birds on a basement ledge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like jump scares usually don't get to me, and that one sends me through the ceiling every oh, yeah. time. I don't know why. <laughs> just particularly effective. And then I just again, I really love the premise of the whole thing with the twist, and I love that the twist is everybody. If it were just him. Even though it was earlier than a lot of the films we talk about, it would still be like, oh, I've been dead. And you, whatever. Sure. But it's the fact that it's the whole town. Yeah. And it's kind of a different aspect where he's made them like functioning zombies. Yeah. But they're themselves still. Yeah. It, it was just a really fun uh, premise for it. And I can't stress enough that this movie works because they don't explain it. Right. For once, somebody didn't get convoluted. Just leave there's, it alone. You know there's some witchcraft or voodoo or whatever, right. but it's never... It's just enough that a guy like me is satisfied with it, but it's not overdone. Right. Um, I love the quote when the, the sheriff's investigating, and he says, Why has there been two murders in a town no bigger than a postage stamp? <laughs> like, it's really strange, right? Like, yeah. all these murders are happening in this town. It's tiny. Yeah. Right? Um, it's like getting to the point where it's every day. And what like, really made me think, I was like, place why are they not hiding or covering up these murders? We, I mean, we will learn that later because they're all dead, right? Yeah. But like when you're watching it, there, it's like, God, for a mob of people murdering somebody and taking pictures, they're not covering their tracks very well. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like, you know, they, they kill the visitors and then the next scene, the visitors, they're part like of one it. the townsfolk. Yeah. That's what's so fun about it is there's nothing to cover up. Yeah, exactly. You're all in. And and you kind of question, like, like one of the kids was like, is that the kid they killed in the classroom? Like, I was kind of confused at first, but I think the movie, I think that helps with the movie is that it is confusing. So you're kind of like a little bit lost until they tell you what's happening. Yeah. And I just, I think it was a great bait and switch with Dobbs being the mastermind because you think it's him and then they throw you off his scent and then comes back full. Vinny, any other notes? No, not really. Okay. I pretty much said what I want to say about it. I would recommend this to any serious horror fan, especially if you love that era, kind oh, of yeah. that 78 to 84 stretch of horror. And this I, is a gem. I'm yeah. surprised this hasn't been exploited because of just, like, I know Dan O'Bannon said that, you know, like, please take my name off this. I just, I just looked at it. Right. But like between Dan O'Bannon and, um, Robert England and Stan Winston, like this alone, like you would think that it right. would be exploited. Yeah. Like Robert England is dead and buried. Yeah, it, it really is kind of shocking that it hasn't gotten a little bit of a bigger following. 
But it, the people you encounter or you listen to on other podcasts, if they know this film, they love it. They're, you know what I mean? Like it really seemed, the people who have latched onto it really seem to. But we'll see. Maybe uh, this new release will help that. I hope it does. This Very needs cool. to be talked about more. For sure. For sure. Okay. Cool. Dead and Buried. Go watch it. Midwest Monsters approved. Yeah, buddy. All right. Next film was my choice. The Messiah of Evil. From 1973. Directed by Willard Hike. Written by Willard Hike. Uh, starring Michael Greer, Mariana Royal Dano, Elijah Cook Jr., and Charles Deerkup. How about that? I like me some Royal Dano. Royal Dano, right? Some big names. Um, an interesting film, to say the least. Uh, this was Good choice. given to uh, my wife and I as a wedding gift. That's right. A was, wedding gift. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're telling me why you picked it. And so uh, on Blu-ray by my wife's cousin, who's into a lot of uh, good films. And so we were just waiting for an excuse to watch it. And this, I said, oh man, we got to do this for a mash. So the premise is um, this young woman uh, goes on a search for her missing father. And it takes her to this weird town. And there's... She's looking for people who know her father, and it's kind of like a Wicker Man feel. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we don't know him. We don't know that dude. And she's like, no, my dad, the famous guy, he lives over there. And they're like, oh, maybe I heard of him. You know, like this weird thing. But then she encounters this group of people, mainly this guy, but he's got his entourage <coughs> of groupie chicks with him that are investigating like weird things that may have happened in this town. And it connects to the things that her father was there for. Um, just a brief synopsis going forward. What we eventually find out, spoiler alert, the, the town was kind of founded by this guy who survived the Donner party, whatever you want to call it. Massacre. Feast. Mass- feast. Yeah. The Donner party, for those of you who don't know, was a true story. Uh, the Donner Party was trying to go through the mountains, a group of Mormons. Um, they got stuck in the winter because they went the wrong way, because they thought it was a shortcut, and they ended up eating each other. Sounds like a good weekend. <laughs> but it's not... Uh, a lot of people like to trivialize it and make it think like, oh, well, they just decided to eat people because things were bad. No, this is dire straits. Like This is one of the most horrific stories I've ever listened to. They didn't just want to eat butt. No, no, not for fun. This is not fun, Todd. Focus on the the problems here. Yeah, this ain't booty snacking. Yeah. And so this guy says he survived because he found another savior. He found another messiah. And it's this idea of a messiah of evil. And so he goes to this town and he like essentially teaches. Wait a minute. Is that how they got the name? Hold up. What? And goes on to teach them about cannibalism, and it goes on to other weird scenes in the film. So that's the gist of it. Um, Without giving too much away, I'll stop there. 
I liked the film. Not my favorite, but I liked it. Initial impressions. I am start with me. Hmm. Had you seen this before? I have never seen it before. And then I wondered, why are you making me watch a soft porn? Um, there ain't even no nudity in this well, movie. Well, it was it should have went there. Um, <laughs> this is like a movie when it ended. I was like, did I finish it? Like, did I, what did I watch? Uh, best thing for me about this movie, though, that I'll say is it did give me the feeling of a horror hosted. Uh, like, like this feels like a movie Sammy Terry or your local horror movie host in the 70s and 80s that they would have threw on their show. Um, which, man, let's be honest, there's a lot of turds in those movies, but you would always watch them. That, to me, is uh, the feeling I got from this movie, and it's what made me watch the whole thing. Okay. First time I had seen it, I text Abner and I said, is this an Italian movie? <laughs> he said, nope. Like This is the most Italian-American movie I've ever watched. <laughs> you say life. that like it's a bad thing, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Movie. Bigly Italian feeling. Um, Huge, terrific Italian. Uh, Elisha Cook Jr. was what first caught my eye with this because he's been in so many things. And when I, when I looked at his list of credits, Maltese it's like Falcon. the Maltese Falcon, Rosemary's Baby, Shane, House on Haunted Hill. Shane. Like so many things. Come back, Shane. That everybody has seen. <laughs> that being said. And Royal Dano. Um. Not a big fan of this film, folks. Uh, okay. okay. This okay. was a okay. shocker, but I, I did not enjoy my watch. Can, not a treat. Can I chime in? Not a treat for Vinny. You may. We're in agreements. We are. I, I, did I say agreements? Like uh, yes. But Hot Toddy and I are in agreement. This is rare. Yeah. It's a rare moment. Very yep. strange. Yep. You brought us together, Abner. We we are together on this. You moment. brought us together by this turd. Not a big <laughs> not a big fan of this movie. I I felt it was very very slow paced. Um, <laughs> I again it had that Italian movie feel where at the end Fuck of it yeah. or at the end of it I was like Am I dumb or did this not make sense? So yeah, <clears throat> that's my opinion. All I was like, just run, bitch. Lines drawn in the sand, teams have been <laughs> created. Y'all done recording the trash can over there with your <laughs> trash ass opinions. <laughs> just kidding. Look, this isn't an easy watch. I'd seen this before because they go on and on about it on Shockwaves. Oh, both man. Becca and um, Elric both love this film. So I thought, oh, I'll check it out. And so at some point there was like a sale with Code Red Blu-rays or it just came across it with Diabolic and picked it up after hearing so much about it and checked it out. And the first viewing, it left me with kind of two thoughts. One Outside of Suspiria, this is one of the most colorful horror films I've ever seen. Two, it's not very entertaining. Um, it's very moody, and it is very much in the kind of school of Carnival of Souls, is what it reminds me a lot of. Which, when they talked about it, they never mentioned, which kind of I, it baffles me. It's always... The comparisons to 70s cinema and and the the colors that they use in the film. But to me, this is Carnival of Souls again, but with all kinds of Night of the Living Dead mixed into it. I'm talking to a man eating shredded cheese out of a bag right now. Um, but with that, it it really stalls in different segments through the film. But at the same time, 
the moments in the in this film that work work really well. Um, the gas station scene with our uh, overly aggressive albino friend. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. He creepy AF. Got what bodies in the trunk? Yeah, he got a Midwest monsters koozie in effect. Um, we've got the scene in the grocery store where we have the whole oh, group of people sitting there savaging on this meat, and they all look up at her and start chasing her. And the way they build that up is is pretty effective. But the the scene, my favorite scene of the whole movie that I always think of when I think of this film is in the theater as we watch people one by one oh, man, that's pouring in behind her. Um, so, you know, it's uh, I think it's important to point out that this is a really good comparison to public domain films. This is not a well-funded film. No. What is interesting about it is the people behind it in Willard, and then uh, I don't think you mentioned her, Gloria Katz, who just died a couple weeks ago. Those two together either wrote or produced, uh, kind of in variations depending on the film, American Graffiti, mm-hmm. Temple of Doom. Wow. Um, My favorite of the Indiana Jones movies. And so they, uh, you know, they. it's interesting to me that they dug into such a bizarre film but would go on to have the careers that they had. Um, This movie could have been a lot better, but I think that part of it is that they were going for more of an art angle with with how they approached this film. And I think for a a horror fan wanting to be entertained, it suffers because of that. Um, So I got no problem with, you know, if you guys think it was a dud, but... I do think that there is enough merit in it to not, you know, kind of relegate it into the areas with like Leprechaun in space or anything like that. There's, <laughs> there's, there's still some effective scenes in this. And like, if you were to pop this on and watch it kind of back to back with Carnival of Souls or something like that, there's enough um, merit in the filmmaking to still make it at least worth a, a one-time watch. Sure. Might not be something you want to own and, go back to there, there, there's a few scenes that i thought was interesting like the zombies coming out of the like sky the skylight or whatever uh the movie theater was bizarre um i did kind of like i hadn't really heard much of this movie so i kind of looked it up i don't know how true it is but it said that like early on finances were pulled and the movie was just kind of like shelved and that it was actually supposed to be um like early interviews, the guy of the man in black, the Messiah of evil, was actually the son of Satan. Like this whole subplot. That would that, make sense though, because this could have been a way cooler movie. Yeah. yeah. So, so it sounded like uh, what, what I read, and again, I don't know how much true it is because it's the first time I read about anything of it, was that um, basically somebody just picked this movie up with what they had shot, re edited it, released it a couple years later. And so it wasn't the original intentions that they had. Um, and I can't say if I don't revisit this down the road that I might like it better, but it was just, I don't know. I was kind of like one of those, like, what did I, what did I watch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent on that. It's not an easy watch.
funny little uh, tip of the hat there. Mm-hmm. I thought it'll grow like Dana slash Zool at the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really think that that scene in the supermarket where they're eating the raw beef and then they eat her is pretty effective. Um, yeah, I just I feel like yeah, there's there's some great things in this movie, but overall it's not a great movie. To echo what you said, Professor. Yeah, I mean it's 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 got some interesting approaches where we open with her in the hallway, and that's actually an insane asylum. Yeah, yeah. I mean there were some interesting aspects to it, but at the end of the day. This is about watching movies and enjoying them. Yeah. And I I don't think that the majority of people So I it's if you're interested, I think there's enough there to to warrant at least watching it once. And there's some people that will love this. Sure. Because some people like the kind of the art house angle for their horror, the abstract and the yeah. unexplained and the bizarre, and that's fine. Uh, I think but the the biggest struggle for this film is the pacing. Because the ideas, the concepts in it are good enough. And drag in other parts. Oh, yeah. We spend way too much time in the house. It's just... It, it could have been a lot better. And I... I the, the first time I watched this, I felt a little disappointed after all of the high praise yeah. from the show that I always trust so much sure, in Shockwaves. Sure. So there must be something there that, that uh, gels with them that just doesn't with us, I guess. I, I yeah. did like her bed. Yeah, yeah. All right, Messiah of Evil, bringing down the house. <laughs> so uh, let's move along. Uh, as Professor said, again, yeah, this movie isn't for everybody. So if you're into the art house, if you're into the Italian stuff, check it out. But I can't recommend it for everybody. If you want to listen to somebody blow it incessantly, reach out to Vinny on social media. <laughs> <laughs> he tweets about it weekly. <laughs> Uh, so moving along, I guess, is my pick, uh, which I chose The Changeling, 1980, uh, directed by Peter Medic. Am I saying that right? I think it's pronounced Medak. Yeah, you're fine. Whatever. Medak. <laughs> um, who I guess uh, named it in register, uh, but he's actually one of the masters of horror. Um, also directed Species 2 and some like Hannibal uh, TV he's episodes. A, a weird career. Uh, Tells from the Crib, Twilight Zone, uh, 1980s, uh, starring George C. Scott. Um, I believe it was his wife, Trish Van Dever. Van Dever. Yep, she was married to. Um, Marilyn Douglas. I'm kind of like goes off of that from the cast of me, but um, Melvin. Come on. Yeah, there's Melvin Douglas. Yeah. Um, Gene Martin, maybe. Gene Marin. Something. Uh, I don't know these people. Are you making this up? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Changeling is something I've heard about a lot. It's it's actually, like even like like Martin Scorsese like names it as like his top ten scariest movies of all time. Uh, everybody from him to like Nev Campbell, like, like just. It's always name dropped. I've never seen this movie until uh, now. I owned it twice. I owned it on DVD, bought the Blu-ray, had never watched it until this. Um, I don't need your fucking opinion right now. I thought. 
Don't know. worry, Abner sold his, so I can't wait to hear his thoughts. <laughs> okay, so, Son um, of a gun. Anyways, uh, just a quick uh, synopsis of the film. George C. Scott uh, opens in uh, wintertime. His car breaks down. He's uh, trying to call for help. His wife and daughter are playing along on the side of the road. His daughter, who's young as hell, like George C. Scott is Tony Randall in this movie. <laughs> old man with a young-ass daughter. He's 60 with a nine-year-old daughter. So, Don't hate. Um, Congratulate. Car accident happens, which kills his wife and daughter. Uh, George C. Scott is a, like a famous musician. Uh, so I guess between his grief and like uh, to, to kind of get back to work again, he ends up renting like this huge mansion that is part of um I don't I don't know like a, a museum owns it at this point and they're like I'm not sure why it's just setting empty um other than some of the the tales behind it but he gets in the house um and soon realizes he's not alone um that the the house itself is haunted um I don't know how much you want me to go into this without. Initial uh, thoughts. We'll come back to okay. the, so, um, the progress. So, yeah, we'll stop there. Initial thoughts. Uh, for me? Yeah. Um, so, first time viewing. I'm not going to lie, man. There's a few scenes that got me. Um, I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was spooky. <laughs> and then I watched an extra feature. And they're like, the true story of what happened. And I'm like, what? This is a goddamn true story? So that creeped me out even more. Um, yeah, some of it was traced back to, into Denver. Yeah, I was yeah, pissed I've, off because I had just been there and didn't realize. I, I had it made some notes of that because to me, I, I've I've heard of this movie a lot. I've never heard of it re- referenced to being a true story or any of that. I just heard it's one of the like best ghost stories like ever made. Um, I, I'm kind of sad I never watched this movie sooner. To be honest, cool, Vinny. First time viewing. I wasn't blown away by it, but I did enjoy it. I felt like it was a little slow in some parts, um, a little hammy in some parts as well. But all in all, I liked it. It went a direction I didn't expect. I, I agree with that. Yeah, went I went a direction I, I wasn't expecting out of it. I guess I didn't really take into consideration what the definition of changeling was. And then once it was there, I was like, oh, duh, I've heard this before. You know what I mean? Uh, all in all, I liked it. Uh, I saw Gene Marsh was in it, who was in the Big Bad and Willow, and was also the Big Bad in Return to Oz. Ooh. She's Is that the Big Bad Theory? Yes. TV show? Bazinga. Uh, I quit. <laughs> which, she's a great villain. A great villain from the 80s. But yeah, I didn't know... Like I said, I'd never seen it. The name didn't exactly imply anything to me you know, to where I could get I, a read. I 100% agree because then I always saw the box art, which shows like a wheelchair with a ghost in it. So I didn't I, know. But all but after I watched it, I liked it well enough. Now, it's not it's not on my, you know, top 10 list or anything, but I think it's a, I think it's a decent flick. It was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You want me to? Go ahead. Okay. See changers. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, I want to wait and hear what uh, popular opinion is before I get mine. <laughs> I gush over this. I have for years. That's no surprise. It's one of my favorite ghost stories um, put to film. I I also kind of think of it as a sibling film to Ghost Story, which also has Melvin Douglas in that. Um, 
which I think are both very effective in digging back into the past with thoughtful and, and chilling approaches to the ghost and the kind of the idea of a ghost story. Um, I like too that in this, and we'll go more into the explanation and the ending, but I like that our villain is also kind of a victim in his own way. Um, I think it's a very, uh, at times dark and depressing film and a responsible approach to making a ghost story. Uh, but at the same time, I think it also delivers on the goods with very effective and creepy ass moments. Um, and this is one of those films where the first time I watched it, I think I got a used DVD of it from side one and didn't know much about it and just watched it. But, but I can remember thinking, oh, that's pretty good. And then it just kind of lingered with me and kind of the, the melancholy feeling around all of it and the idea of, of what George C. Scott's character helps bring to the forefront and tell the story of and kind of the cruel uh, injustice that happened. I just think that it's a, a very adult and like mature approach to a ghost story. Um, and I think that again, some of, some of the, the plays on someone's grief and how that can be so terrorizing for what he's being put through now because of what he's went through, I think adds a whole nother level to the storytelling and the effect of some of these sequences that the viewer experiences with him because of that. What you said. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm kidding. Uh, this is my second viewing. I had purchased it on DVD from a strong recommendation from the professor years ago. Um, I wasn't crazy about it the first time around, but I liked it better the second time. Um, especially when it comes to the title and the core mythology of the changeling. I'm a big fan of the lore podcast and, uh, you know, the idea of the changeling is a pretty popular myth throughout you know the british isles england scotland ireland and so learning more about what the changeling is and you know replace a loved one being replaced a little different play on it in this film yeah but it opened just my perspective a little bit more to appreciate this film for what it is i think the first time uh was kind of back when i was just really hardcore getting into horror movies and watching everything i could get my hands on and just feeling underwhelmed the first time because it wasn't as like hardcore scary or shocking as I thought. Or fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's not a fun movie. Um, so I feel like the first time around, I was a little unkind to it. This time around, I was a little more patient and enjoyed it better. That said, I'm still not crazy about the movie. I don't know that I'll ever watch it again, but it's a good movie. It's not a bad movie at all. I wondered at what point... Uh, Johnny Cash became George C. Scott <laughs> because there's a point in both of their lives where it's hard to differentiate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my opinion. Cool. Also in that movie, ain't no way in hell I'm staying alone in that house after that seance. <laughs> that's the least believable part of the movie to me. You get done with that damn seance and then you're going to stay there by yourself? Bullshit. Right. Bullshit. So I, I think to go along with that though, I, I kind of because early on in the film, and I, 
I don't know if that's maybe what the character was thinking, but I was a connection with his dead daughter. Because, like, the ball that mm-hmm. she used to play yeah, with definitely. comes tumbling down the goddamn stairs. And then he, th- he drives down the road, throws it in the river, comes home, and, like, here it comes again. And if uh, when Severin put out the Blu-ray, because there was two releases of it. That. One of the options was Severin, which I got, came with the, the recreation of the red ball. So I have that sitting on the shelf. I didn't get that one, but... Um, Not cool, dog. <laughs> so like early, early, early on, he he hears a melody and starts uh, like recording it, and then he he hears like it's it's like a song that the the ghost is singing. Yeah. Um, and then he starts hearing banging of like pipes or something, or like every morning at six a.m. George C. Scott got brass balls because I'm knees to chest getting the fuck out of that house and shit. Start like that, like that to me. Yeah, like I, I think the movie progressed pretty well. I mean, he finds like there's a secret room to, that leads to an attic, mm-hmm. um, and there was just there's some impressive scenes, like the scene where she's just like staring, like, and you're like, what the hell did she see? And then you look up, and it's the wheelchair. Um, I, I thought it was an effective movie, and like I said, just to, to finish watching it and then watch an extra feature where they talk about the true story, and I'm like, what? Um, yeah. Which to touch on that real quick, the true story is the Henry Treat Rogers Mansion, uh, which has since been torn down. Chessman Park, but it's Denver. Chessman Park, Denver, Colorado. Um, I don't know. I it, it was. It's an odd movie. It's slow paced. It's not. It's not uplifting whatsoever. Um, but man, for the first watch, like I was just to me, I, I was kind of long for the ride. Like, what the hell's going on? And he's kind of like trying to solve the mystery and. On the other side of it, you have the 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 people that that rent the house, where she's contacting the the senator and and then they want him removed and they want the the woman removed and um, I guess we haven't touched on that that there, there is a senator involved that um, that he would be the child of this this millionaire, and as we find out that the the guy's son um, the the son was in line to inherit everything I guess. Yeah. Um. And he was he was sick, and so he drowns his son in the bathtub, and then goes to the orphanage and picks up a a child to take place of his son, which would be the changeling, and then they they move to another country and don't return until the kid is eighteen. Um. I don't know. I I wasn't expecting that at all. Even though the title kind of tell. I mean, by definition of what the changeling would be. Yeah, um, there's and there and I think what makes it so chilling is that there's a practical reason to the genesis of why our ghost is trying to, you know, get somebody to understand right. it. And, it's not just somebody went nuts; it's that somebody chose money over that child's life. Right, and I think that's one the, the car wreck. Yeah, that he thinks he's figured out from like the turn of the century. Yeah, and he's like, oh, okay, well, finally we can put this to rest. But then you find out. It's the senator side. Yeah, because we so, have the recording from the seance, and you just hear Joseph Carmichael. Yeah. And it's like, what? Which that, I'm not going to lie, that, that creeped me the hell out, the recording. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, get out of the house. Yeah. Get so, yeah, out. the deal was the massive amount of inheritance uh, would be lost unless the kid made it to the certain age to inherit it. And because of his afflictions, Dad thought, ah, that's not worth risking. We're about to lose the family fortune if this kid doesn't live long enough. And straight up kills him and replaces him and sends him off out of the country long enough to where people forget about him and, and don't pay attention to the family. Bring him back and there's your inheritance. Which, which, which doesn't make any sense because it's not your kid. 
you are not going to be alive. Like, like what difference yeah. does it make to you at that point? You're base. You're in effect giving it to a stranger that you've moved to another side but of the world. But at least it wasn't his own crippled ass kid. Yeah, that's you know just, what I mean. That's like cold blooded. Yeah, shit. cold blooded. And I, I don't know. Like we find out that like that the what I thought was like maybe rusty pipes or something was actually the, the, the child the smacking in the, the tub, tub yeah, trying yeah. to like, you know, to, to come up for air. Which makes it so creepy when you go back and watch it and you already know. Mm-hmm. So that, that that alone is creepy. And then like when it involves the that his body was dumped in a well and he goes to the house to tell the mom who's like, you know, I would have told you to get the hell out of here. But then she talks about her daughter's what she thought was a nightmare of the kid coming through the floor. And I'm like, Man, I'm about to turn this movie off. <laughs> and because, again, you got to think if somebody showed up at your house and was like, "Hey, ma'am, can I can I destroy your home and dig up your floor?" Um, but the fact that the ghost visits the daughter again, the mom's like, "Rip that shit up, yeah, cut them shit up." <laughs> it's a great scene too because when they unearth the remains under that woman's house, we find a necklace, and George C. Scott takes that out onto where he's trying to leave on a flight. Our yeah. senator in uh, Joseph Carmichael present day and holds it up. And that's when Carmichael realizes I have that same one, which then lets the audience know that dad knew I accidentally buried that. He's got to have that. Mm -hmm. And so he had the necklace recreated. And the fact that he has an identical one lets Carmichael know he's not bullshitting. Something is weird here. And I think that's such a, uh, it's a perfect example of how this movie is intelligent and treats its viewers that way. Like it doesn't spend a lot of time drumming this stuff out. It's very slick with the storytelling. And I think that's a great moment for kind of laying it out for the audience. Yeah, it's it's by no means I I think the scariest movie ever made or anything like no. that. But it is. I will agree. It is a great ghost it's, story. Yeah, it's a great ghost story. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you read or watch anything that talks about best ghost story movies, this is always top three right if not consistently number one and i think part of it is people like the substance behind a good ghost story like somebody who truly needs their story unearthed and told and this has so much gravity to that based on not only the original story of why we have the ghost but also what the man who is trying to solve it is going through and working through as well it's just it fights so many things at once that it's it it just it checks on all of those marks for a ghost story. I, th- I think the movie works so well that I've seen I've seen scarier, but to me this movie, when it ended, it did. Like when it ended, I was like, man, I need to watch a bonus feature or something. Like I said, this one I stumbled on. Like, what? This is somewhat. It was a kid that like was murdered. Um, God, you like uh, even the
it's a nice ahead. piece of filmmaking. It's only because you did money. Changeling, uh, based on just what you're talking about, the seriousness of it versus good storytelling versus scariness. Um, know what you're getting into when you watch it. Yes, be prepared. That's yeah. not just a a bubblegum watch. Yeah. For fans of Ghost Story or Lady in White, things like that. I love Lady in White. Yeah. Yeah, boy. All right. Moving right along with our final film from Venomous Vinny. What you got, bud? I chose Mama from 2013. It is directed by Andy Muschietti. The executive producer of Guillermo, is Guillermo del Toro. Stars Jessica Chastain. And I'm going to butcher old boy's name because I've never heard it spoken aloud. He plays Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. The Kingslayer. Nicolaj Coster-Waldu. Uh, it's know. pronounced Seven Genie. <laughs> it's pronounced Sexy Daddy. Uh, I'll just get into the basic premise of this movie. What, uh, what brought you to this? I'm Number one, I'm a fan of anything that Del Toro is associated with, for starters. I had seen this movie before, but it's been years since I had seen it. Um, and I just, I knew that it was available to me from my cable provider. So it was an easy thing for me to get a hold of. But I also have never really had a conversation with anybody about it. Cool. So I, that's kind of why I chose it. Yeah, no, the only reason I ask is because it was a little newer than usual. For yeah, no, true. There. Can I Very say true. something a little mind blowing that I didn't realize? Because I had seen Mama when it came out. I didn't realize this is the same director from the new It. it. And oh. it, chapter two, yep. I didn't, I did I not didn't know either. that until I looked it up. And so nice. I didn't, I didn't realize it was the same director. Uh, pretty cool. Do you want a synopsis? <laughs> do you want initial thoughts? What do you guys want to do first? Synopsis. Synopsis. Uh, the movie opens with a father who kills his wife and then takes his and two his business partners and takes his, guy. takes his two young daughters and, Drives out, wrecks his car, is in a woods, walks to this abandoned cabin, and pulls out a pistol to kill his little girl with. And the moment he attempts to, something snatches him up. Uh, years later, his twin brother has been financing, searching for the girls and his brother. Uh, they are found in this cabin years later as feral children. And he and his girlfriend bring them home to raise them, but they start to find out that a, a an entity has latched itself to the little girls. Um, I love feral children, like as far as the, the as far as the the lore of it, and just the the premise of the phenomenon of feral children appeals to me like the jungle book. And there's been real cases over the years where they've found children that were lost in the wilderness and raised by animals. It, that appeals to me. So I think that's part of the reason why this movie appeals to me as well. Um, so yeah, there's a synopsis. I would be curious to hear, uh, initial thoughts from everybody else on this movie. Um, originally I thought this was a sequel to nail. With Jodie Foster. <laughs> Popcorn. Um, no, I, I saw this in the theater. Um, 
It's it's odd. I, I might have watched it once since then, and then just I really like the movie, so it's bizarre that I haven't really watched it since because it came out twenty thirteen. Um, I kind of feel like this is I don't know if it's Del Toro having his hand in it or what, but it, it almost feels like a really dark, grim fairy tale. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Um, I remember enjoying it. There's not a lot of uh, there's actually less than I thought of like looking at the film. Of CGI used, because um, apparently, like, I didn't realize Mama like is actually somebody that has a disease that played Mama. So only Mama's hair is CGI, um, which is creepy as fuck. Really? Um, can go more in that when we go back around. Um, I don't know. I remember uh, seeing the preview. Looked really good. Was impressed uh, in the theater. There's there's some good jump scares, um, and overall, I think it's just a good movie. And honestly, this is probably early on where um, Jessica Chastain just started kind of doing films. Like, I'm going to be honest, I like her in everything. So um, I didn't place, it makes sense now that why she's in It Chapter 2 as Beverly. Um, so I don't she's know. She's in uh, Del Toro's Crimson Peak. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's a good movie. And re-watching it for this, I, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. First time viewing for me, um, and I had stayed away from it, not entirely intentionally, but just because some people had said, oh, it's it's a good premise, but the CGI is too much, is, you know, what it was told to me as. Um, I really enjoyed this film. I would agree that it's a little too CGI-y for me. But it doesn't take away from the film entirely. You know, there's some parts where I look at it and I was like, eh. But overall, it's it's a good movie and I really enjoyed it. Uh, first time viewing for me. Oh, wow. um, I thought that it, I enjoyed it more than I expected to, actually. Same here. But I still thought that it suffered from the common uh, kind of problems with modern horror in, in the way of... Uh, CG and excessive jump scares because I thought that there were um, some sequences and segments that they had with the storytelling where they were really effective to where the jump scares were just kind of overkill, which isn't the same thing as a movie that relies on it. I want to stress that because some modern horror, that's all they got. It's just, uh, you know, incessant jump scares to the film. Um, I, in particular, really, really loved uh, the scene with the little girl playing in her room. Oh, like the tug of war? And then yeah, you see yeah, the yeah. silhouette start to get bigger think, and bigger you, you as it's You think it's kind closer. of the sister at first, and you see the yeah. sister down the hall. And so, like, I don't want to completely trash the movie on in that regard, because there were still some very uh, restrained pieces of filmmaking um, that I thought were notable and effective. Um, but... I, yeah, I actually enjoyed this more than I expected to. I'm not going to lie. I hated the ending, which we'll get to. Um, but other than that, I had a pretty good time watching it through the entire film. I will echo your sentiment that the ending leaves me with a bad taste. Um, I, I just don't care for the way it ended. Shockingly horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have the issue with... Uh, the CGI. I, I honestly, I don't see the issue with the CGI. I, I felt like the CGI was not overused. 
Um, I felt like it didn't feel overly CGI to me. Like I, I just don't have that problem with it. That seems to be an issue that comes I, I, up. From to me, the out. one scene that I noticed, it, and it, it's most movies at this point, is when he, his car goes off the road. Yeah, that's a little bit noticeable, and I think the first time, like well, I said, and I, the 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 ending, the like ending a little bit. Like I said, I always thought the I always thought the mom was just. I thought the ghost was completely CGI, and looking into it, um, Javier Botel, who also was in Record, um, and also in It, so um, he actually um, suffers from a disease like Marfan syndrome. Which Not, is what they speculate that Lincoln had, I believe. So uh, it gives him a slender body and long fingers. And recording was patient zero, and it he played the leper from the beginning. Um, yeah, so, I thought that when when we were, I was like, man, so this has to be the same. Which makes it creepier because when you rewatch it, like uh, again, yeah, the hair is definitely CGI, but sure. I mean, it blends well. Um, but like. You know, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, you know, mom was completely CGI because it's just, you can't find somebody to play right. that. And I'm like, no, it was a real guy playing uh, playing mama. The premise is very outlandish, but I like it. Like, I don't know what, this isn't my favorite movie, but I think it's, this is only the second time I've seen it. And it's been years since I saw it the first time. I had a lot, I had a good time with this movie. I really I, did. I mean, I. Just because we just talked about it, I don't think the premise is any crazier than the changeling. To be honest, yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, you talk about a deep grief and someone, you know, that the entity, the energy from that grief attaching itself to a person. And I, I guess we haven't mentioned that that the the ghost uh, was like a, a mental patient, and yeah. they took her child away. She she escapes with her child, <laughs> dives over a cliff, and then she hits the water. The baby hits a, a limb. Yeah. So they both die, but they're separated. Yeah. And then she's basically been searching for her baby since yeah. her death. And when these two little girls and the father's getting ready to kill them, Which she the, kills the dad. Because yeah. to be honest, if it weren't for her spirit, like she protects those kids would have did would have yeah. died. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but man, like, the, yeah, there, there's some, you know, it's some scenes. It's like a, it doesn't reinvent the will. No. But there are some scenes. Wilson mentioned the tug of war. Yes. Which was creepy as hell. Yes. I'm gonna be honest, like I, I've seen it before and it got me again is when he um sees like the, the, the spot in the wall and he's touching it and she comes out of it. Um I kind of forgot about it and I forgot that he ends up in the hospital so soon and yeah. Oh yeah, yeah man, that flip over the stairs, I went, Oh god, when he's yeah. going down the stairs. I'm I'm brutal. glad that for the most part, uh that everybody enjoyed it because I think that sometimes I I am kind of a snob sometimes when it comes to newer movies. Kinda. I I, I tend to I tend to stick with what I know and don't give a lot of new things a chance unless I'm forced to. And I'm I'm just kind of glad to hear that everybody kind of had a good time with a movie that was made just five years ago. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, looking just looking up some notes for this. I I. If I'm being honest, I really didn't expect a sequel from this. I read somewhere that like Mama Two, that uh, the director obviously is busy with it, um, but they have like Mama Two slated for like 2019, 2020. Is it Mama Two throw Mama from the cliff? <laughs> it's it's Mama Too Fast, Too Furious. 
uh, I don't know where they would go from where this ended. Yeah, but, I don't either. Um, Not necessarily. But like for the like to me again, and Del Toro, um, like most of his pictures to me are just like grim fairy tales. It's got a very uh, Shape of Water, Edward Scissorhands, like fairy tale, Hands labyrinth feel to it. Yes, I absolutely agree. Which, which again, like I, I think he's the only producer. Um, I think Muschietti, the director, like also wrote the short story, and I, I think it was his sister or some kind of sibling that co-wrote the film with him. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I really liked the dynamic with, um, you know, the uncle bringing the kids into the house. First off, yeah. Let's talk about just how terrifying those children are when you find them. Oh, oh the feral, feral. Oh, yeah. Terrifying. How about um, leave them? <laughs> They're all right. To me, dog. <laughs> Y'all don't need me. Um, but uh, the uncle passionate about bringing them in. Um, he's butting heads again, legally butting heads with um, the sister of his brother's wife. Um so it's like he's really vested in, in making sure he gets to help raise these kids. He, he invested all his time and money into the search for them. Spent all of his money looking for them. Yeah, five years. Well, and th- there's a scene earlier on where Jessica Chastain um, thinks she's pregnant. And it's just like, whoo. Yeah, when she's not. She's because so she, does, she doesn't want to be a mother. Um, right. She doesn't want any. She doesn't want the responsibility. Thanks for stealing my thunder. That's what I was leading up to. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, so, um, Halloween is my number one movie in October. <laughs> um, so, this idea that the uncle is so invested, but his girlfriend is not. But you slowly see her soften up to these kids over time because she has to. And, like, some of those maternal instincts kick in. And that scene where... She finds Lily out in the cold and she brings her in and is like trying to warm her up and she's fighting her because she doesn't want her to. I just thought that that was just pure cinema <laughs> to steal a line. You know what I mean? Like because it's good storytelling because it just like that shows the investment where she was not interested in being a mom to where she now feels some ownership about being connected to these kids and raised. Do you them. like how mama make noise like E.T.? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many creepy mama movie moments in this movie. Where she goes into the closet. We're like, oh, yeah. You know, to me, what makes it creepy is she, she knows someone's in the closet. And she's just like, when the little girl says don't, she's like, you know what? I'm going to listen, which is a rare <laughs> yeah. moment in a horror film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and how the one little girl will take her glasses off whenever whenever mama comes around because she was older and old enough to know what to be scared of, you know, yeah. and didn't want to see it for what it was. Yeah. Whereas the other little girl, it's really the only parent she remembers because yeah. she was so young. And so I think Ugh. it's built towards the end yeah. with that. Um, yeah, the ending leaves a lot to be desired, like Carrie. Just well, it doesn't leave you feeling very good. No. It's garbage. And, well, the point I'm building up to is like, that's very, I mean, you can see Del Toro's fingerprints all over that because, you know, you think of Pan's Labyrinth, you think of Crimson Peak, you think of, like, this other stuff. He's done not so much Hellboy, but, like, he deals with some sad shit with kids. Yeah. Like, that's a Del Toro thing. Like, it's, you know. We Basically, always... that that youngest girl, that's her parent. That's it. She's attached to her, and that is her parent. Yeah. And she chooses 
the scary ass ghost over the aunt and the uncle that are there to give her a normal life. Yeah. And hops over the cliff with it. It's a downer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it big is. as shit it is. Uh, but I, I've got to say, should just let dad shoot her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so, I mean, you get, you get one for one. You know, uh, you know and you I shit get, on, you know. I shit on a little bit for doing that. But at the same time, I'm also the guy who rolls his eyes at the cliche. Everything ends up fine ending. Yeah. So, you know, what the fuck can they do to please me? <laughs> you know what I Nothing. mean? So that's, I mean, that's my thing. I didn't hate the ending. I didn't love it. But at the same time, I get it. Like I get this, the, I get the logic, the story gelling device, but it yeah. just, it don't feel good when you're done with a movie like that, that you've invested a couple hours into and you walk away with a gross feeling. And I just go, man, hell with that feral kid. Let her go with that. Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> the good kid lived. That's all that matters. <laughs> Professor. Yeah, just the ending. I want to know what rubs you the wrong way about the ending. It's just that we go through all of that hoping for these children. Because as a viewer, especially an adult, your natural reaction is, man, I hope things work out for this child. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, they've been through hell. And we go through all of that. And not only do we watch a child basically in their life but we also get to watch uh, another sibling have them ripped away from them so so all of that we have went through we we set the tone high by having mama come in and save these children from being murdered by their father to that just doesn't the thing is it's not a happy ending for the for us it's not a happy ending for the other characters in the movie but it is a happy ending for mama and that character the little girl. Yeah, right. She's crazier than a shithouse rat, so who cares what she wants? <laughs> yeah, because that was that has been her parent for yeah. as long as she can remember. You know, and I to a certain degree and it sucks for us, but like for the character, it's a happy ending for that character. Right. And uh, to me, you could have kept uh, kind of the the mythology around Mama the same and made that a sad story that we're aware of. We don't even need to reunite her with a child and make the ghost go away and be happy. We can just leave her to roam kind of in her cycle. Uh, uh, but at the same time, like I, I can respect filmmakers having the balls to do what's not popular and surprise you because that's why we go to movies. Yep. We don't know the answer of what we're watching. So from that element, I respect it. But at the same time, I'm not going to be real quick to pop on mama again. So I can watch the journey of a child that's ultimately going to fall into the hands. No, it is a hard one of a crazy ghost. If they didn't want to be a holes, that could have easily been like the baby, the ghost of the baby. That they reunite with mama Mama is enough to play. Yeah. But no, she's like, Oh no, I want this fucking skeleton baby. Yeah. It's like, I want this. I want this new one. God damn it, this is America, and if the feral <laughs> child wants to go with her ghost mother, you she, let her go with her ghost you mother. You let her go with her ghost mother. So yeah, ending <laughs> me. And that's fair, and you're right. That's a reason I haven't watched it more than twice. It, over. Makes, it makes me sad. <laughs> fair enough. But better than I expected. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, good conversation tonight, friends. That's Mama. I'd recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. For I'd sure. I'd recommend it. 
don't uh I, I, I concur. Very good. Well, there's another one on Midwest Monster Approval Rating. So uh hey, that's another episode of the Monster Mash. Closing it out, one of your hosts, Grizzly Adner. I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hi Toddy. Stay scary, friends. <laughs>